Hart will put the ball in play 94 feet away, running the baseline. He's going to put it in backcourt to Bledsoe over the midcourt line, lets it fly, and the banker is no good. Ball game over. Bulls win. Bulls win. Bulls win. 128-124 over the Pelicans, and the all-star break has arrived. It's Mark Grody on 670 The Score, a radio.com sports station. Didn't it feel like Chuck Swirsky right there was like punching everybody? Like, Bulls win! Bulls win! Bulls win! Like, I was like, oh, man. Coming with the the hard jabs. Love Chuck Swirsky. Great dancer, great play-by-play, man. Bulls on break! Not on parade. No rage. They are on break. Yes, sir. So, Mark Grody with you until noon on Chicago Sports Radio 670. The score. Bulls now. Kyle Long CSI coming up at the bottom of the hour. I Cut think the, the only... Papa! Ow! Like, it hurts. Whoop! The, the, the only person who I think has it absolutely spot on about the Chicago Bulls right now and where they are and maybe who they are and maybe where they might be going. That one person is the man from whom you will hear now, head coach Billy Donovan. Billy, if we told you before the season you'd be 16 and 18 at the All-Star break, what do you think your reaction would have been? Oh, I mean, I, I don't, I have no idea, Cody. I mean, obviously I'm, you know, we're, we have a losing record right now. You know, I mean, I, I, I don't really look at it that way. I mean, I, I, the record to me is more about how we're playing and are we making progress. And I think this team has made incredible progress, you know, in my opinion, just being with them. And they've done a really, really good job. And I think maybe Sam asked me the other day about, you know, what I was grateful for. These guys have been phenomenal. But, you know, at the same point, too, we have a long way to go. And I'm, I'm trying to, you know, not have them be satisfied. And we need to keep trying to pull more out of each other. They need to pull more out of me. I got to pull more out of them. We just got to pull more out of each other. And there's more to give. And there's, there's growth. And there's an opportunity to improve and get better. And, um, you know, I don't know what I would have, you know, thought in that situation. Um, it doesn't really make a difference because once we get out of the break, there's going to be a lot of games in a short period of time. And, you know, the one thing that's good about it is, you know, every team basically right now, for the most part, controls their destiny. You know, you're not in a situation where you sit there and say, well, you know, geez, if this team wins and this team loses, and this happens, and this happens, maybe we can, you know, there's none of that right now. Our, 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 we just need to keep getting better and focus on our improvements on a daily basis. That's really all our focus needs to be right now. And then, you know what, you put everything you have into it. And then you, at the end of the year, you look and see where you're at. And, you know, you, you, you can, I think, feel good about the effort you put in, but, Certainly, I hope we can continue to get better because I still think there's room for improvement and growth in the team. Yeah. See, the Bulls are – there's some perspective going on here from Billy Donovan. The Bulls are two games under 500. Guess what? Two games under 500 is not good. I think a lot of people right now are suffering from relative expectations, relative to what Jim Boylan offered, relative to what the Bulls have been the last couple of years. And – that means that there is a different, you know, overall picture, a rosier picture of what the Bulls are than what's actually going on, as in they're still not a good basketball team. Um, they have a long way to go, and it's about development, and it's about, you know, as Billy Donovan said, I think some key parts there. It's about our own team and what's going on and where 
we are. They're not really looking up much right now. And I I read some recent quotes from Bull. Actually, listen to some of the audio that we have, which some of which maybe we'll we'll get to. But um, from the Bulls boss Arturus Karnaschovas, and the most important thing that he said was development is the number one thing with all of our players. I am not expecting the Bulls to go to the playoffs, and I don't think Arturus Karnaschovas is either. Although there are some very credible people who disagree with me. Listen to Will Perdue, who is the analyst on NBC Sports Chicago, three-time champion with the Bulls, four times altogether if he counts the Spurs. Hi, Dennis Rodman. Listen to what Will Perdue said on the Mully and Haw show from earlier this week. What we have seen is the progress that this team has made is good, but we continue to kind of change the goalpost a little bit as this team gets better. The expectations change. And I love to hear it from uh, Arturis. I love to hear it from Billy. So even though we, listen, we know this season is still about evaluation, but I think we'll all agree this team, this team is now ahead of where we thought they would be. And I think that they have changed their expectations as far as, you know, if this team doesn't get into the, uh, a playoff game, if this team doesn't get into the playoffs, then this, this season has been a disappointment because I actually think that now is a reality. And it needs to be an expectation because, as you heard Billy say, we still have to get better. We still have to pull more out of each other. I disagree with Will Purdue, respectfully, of course. I don't think that a not making the playoffs would be a disappointment for this year. I think anything less than knowing what you have by the end of the season would be a disappointment like they have to know what's up and they have to have a real plan going forward because there was no expectation of that before this season started but I think you need to start to know once this year is over so I like I don't I think honestly like I think Arturis Karnaschovas like I don't think he cares whether or not the Bulls make the playoffs I think it truly is when they say it's about development and our own players and where we are at the end of the season I think that's the truism about the the Chicago Bulls. The NBA trade deadline, it's bearing down. It's March 25th. The only guy that I would not trade, I actually do have a guy that I, that I wouldn't trade on the Bulls, and it's Zach Levine. He, he is the on, only untouchable that, and that does include Patrick Williams. He's, at this point, I think Zach Levine is a guy around whom you can build a championship contender. I'm convinced of that now. So I do put him down as an untouchable. And yes, I would trade Thad Young in a heartbeat for the right deal. And I know that there could be a lot of wrong deals. You don't just trade him for nothing to get rid of the guy. Um he is in his Thad Young is in is in the fourteenth year of his NBA life. And I think he'd be a classic sell-high scenario, right? And there are lots of teams that are interested in him. And I get it. Like the, I understand the leadership thing is real. The mentoring is real. He's second-best player. That's real as well. But I think it's silly to, to not trade him based on that. It would only be silly to trade him if, if you were getting a bunch of nothing for him. He's not a guy that you get rid of for the sake of getting rid of, but my God, yes, you, you trade him. Sell high. The other side of this coin, though, 
comes from another guy who is extremely credible and who I love to read and listen to on the score, like I did when he was on with Bernstein Rahimi. He is the Athletics' Darnell Mabry, um, who said this about the possibility of trading Thad Young or moving guys at the deadline. I think it's likely that they make a minor move. I don't think that we're going to see some blockbuster deal. Uh, and I think Arturis kind of said that without saying it yesterday. Uh, he, they want to try to win games. They want to evaluate this this roster, these players, where they are, what they have. Uh, and, and if you move a guy like Thaddeus Young, I'm pretty sure you guys have talked about this ad nauseum, but that would, that would just destroy so much um, – progress that the Bulls have made this year. Zach Levine is the best player on the roster, but Thad Young is the second best player this season. And if you move him, you're going to be destroying so much uh, of the chemistry that he brings, uh, not only with the second string, but when he mixes in with the first unit as well. And if the right deal comes along, look, you have to consider it, but it has to be the right deal in order to move someone so valuable and so integral to what this team is doing right now. Yeah, and yeah, I, I just don't put as much stock in the progress that you've made this season as far as the win-loss record is concerned, as far as any of that is concerned. You know, it's it's about the development of of these players. And if the if they are going to eventually attain some sort of organizational standard that sustains success, that they will eventually have to and Arturus Karnaschovas knows this, there eventually will have to be some sort of bold, unexpected move. Like, I asked the question yesterday to Stevie Sunshine Rosenblum. Like, when you look at this, unless you think this is the team right here as presently constructed, is the team going forward that is your core and is your team that is eventually going to be competing in the Eastern Conference Finals, um, if, if that's your if that's what if you think that that's the case, then okay, keep everybody and go with all the the abstract ideas of leadership and Thad Young and the progress that you've made on the win loss record, absolutely. But is there anybody out there who thinks that this is going to be the manifestation of the Bulls that is going to get you to the promised land again? No, no, it'd be silly to say that. So, and you know, as a result, it's silly to say you shouldn't break this up. And it could suck, and it could piss some guys off. You know, that Zach Levine would probably be unhappy if the Bulls were to. There'd be a lot of unhappy players on the Bulls if they were to trade Thad Young because it would stunt their their win loss record probably and their progress as far as win loss is concerned. But this ain't the this ain't the group that's gonna win you your next title if the Bulls are to get to that point again all right so oh and by the way btw out of tonight's all-star game are a couple of the philadelphia 76ers as per adrian warjanorowski of espn there will be no joel Embiid, and there will be no bobby simmons in the all-star game i don't know if that means that Embiid will be out when the bulls finally break their break and they are hosting Philadelphia on Friday, uh, but Embiid is out. And yeah, that's the way the Bears... The, the Bulls are on break until... They don't have another game until Friday when it will be the return, the rematch against Joel Embiid. So we'll see if Wendell Carter... We'll see if Billy Donovan decides to take the hit and throw in a, throw a double team 
on Joel Embiid this time around. All right, when we return, let's get into Kyle Long. I figured so. I think I figured something out about Kyle Long in listening to both of his interviews on the score. Um, and uh, well, we'll get into it next. CSI Kyle Long next here on the Grody Show on Chicago Sports Radio 670. The score. What's up? Mark Grody with you here on the score. When I hear the who, I think of uh, Hub Arkish and Hub and Arthur Arkish will be on the score after me coming up at noon. So, you know, you're going to get a lot of great Chicago Bears talk. And just to clarify a little bit further here, did I say did I say Bobby Simmons earlier? Because that's awesome if I did. I like that I made that mistake back to my DePaul roots. Um, and I appreciate it, Texture, for correcting me. The, the text from Adrian Wojnarowski, again, um, additional tests have returned positive for the coronavirus on Barber in contact with Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons, sources tell ESPN. The NBA is ruling out Embiid and Simmons for the All-Star game, sources tell ESPN. Um, more from Adrian here. The NBA's worst nightmare in Atlanta has been an outbreak among the best players in the world. Embiid and Simmons didn't have contact with peers there. In the instance involving the two Sixer stars, players have been kept in um, contact tracing and quarantine for seven days this season. So, and then one more tweet here, 19 minutes ago from Adrian Wojnarowski. At this late hour, there are no plans to replace Embiid and Simmons in the All-Star game, sources tell ESPN. So that's all interesting. Stay tuned. Again, the Bulls host Philadelphia <laughs> on Friday, or do they? So very interesting. All right. It's been Kyle Long week on the score. Back-to-back days, he was on with Parkins and Spiegel on Friday. Then he was on with Zach Zayman yesterday. Both terrific interviews. And, and there was a lot there. But the thing that I got out of it was that I think Kyle Long very much wants to play football again. Not necessarily with the Bears, but it became pretty obvious to me that he wants to to play. See if you agree with me. Let's start with the, the Parkins and Spiegel show. And he starts on this, this chat with these guys about, well, I'll let you listen, but he's talking about his weight. And I found that intriguing. Take a listen. I think the Bears have to make the playoffs this year. Um, And I think everybody knows that. And maybe even make the playoffs and win a game. Uh, That might be the thing that gets them an opportunity. But it's a brutal business. I mean, nobody survives in this league, dude. (laughs) Nobody survives. You you know that firsthand, don't you? (laughs) Yeah, well, I'm not not dead yet. But... uh, Nobody, nobody survives the way they want to survive, I can say that. Well, that's the thing, right? There are so few guys who get the John Elway send-off. It's good to hear that you're not dead yet, though, Kyle. Yeah, well, you know, the old ticker's working. I'm out here in Arizona training. Um, just general health, feeling good. Um, I lost a ton of weight last year, but I'm up at 310, 315. Who knows, man? Who knows? Wait, at 310, 315, if you lost weight and Kyle. now you're at 310, 315, that sounds like gaining weight. 
It's wa- I'm, I'm just, you know, I feel healthy. This is what my body tells me I should be, 310. So, you know, I'm going to stay around. You know, I don't want to say no to the body, you know? Yeah, I like, yeah. I like it. it, it you look good at 310. Further. Yeah, yeah. It helps the golf swing, I would imagine, yeah. right? Just bomb it off the tee. I've been doing. I've, I've been doing. Uh, I've been doing Muay Thai. I got kicked uh, a bunch of times the other day. That's no fun. I think I'm not going to go back to that class. Um, <laughs> Good for you. Those guys are crazy. Those guys are nuts. Do you want to play again? So no, there is no offensive line ever in the history of offensive linemen who would go out of his way after playing at abnormal weights to gain weight after his career. Look at all the offensive, look at any offensive lineman ever. They all lose weight. A couple of guys that I am around a lot during the football season, Tom Thayer is one of those guys who has lost tons of weight. Um, Jay Hilgenberg, look at any offensive lineman. Olin Krutz, Olin Krutz, they, because it's not a healthy weight to carry unless you're playing. So they all lose weight up to 310. That makes no sense unless you plan to play football again. Or if, you know, you just get out of control with your diet. I mean, but it doesn't sound, it sounds like he made a decision to put on the weight. And there's no other reason to do that unless it's an athletic venture, no matter what he is saying right there. So, okay. Um, Later on, uh, Danny Parkins asks him about missing the game. Let's, Let's listen to that. Did it make you miss it? Oh, I, I miss it every day. I miss the guys. That's what everyone says. They miss the they miss the locker room. They miss the guys. They don't miss waking up on Monday morning. I miss belly laughing with my offensive linemen and you know, lifting weights and just you know, the team. It's a team, and I, I can't I can't wait to see what the Bears do because some lucky guy is going to show up and be the quarterback of the Chicago Bears, or you know, whoever it is that they make a move on. He's going to show up, and he's going to have the same feelings that I'm discussing now, and I hope that they understand the importance of the moment while they're there because there were times that I didn't. All right, so there, again, Kyle Long with Parkins and Spiegel, and I'm listening, and I'm like, he's playing. He's playing. And so it never really got down to it. Terrific interview. Go back and listen on radio.com or on 670thescore.com. But then yesterday um working out. I'm listening to Zach Zaidman doing the show, and he says he's got Kyle Long coming. I'm thinking, okay, maybe he's rerunning the Parkins and Spiegel. No! He, Kyle Long's back on the score. Here he is. That He loves the score. He loves Zach. He loves Parkins and Spiegel. So, and he, he said that to all those guys. So, he goes on with Zach, and Zach comes through with the big, the big home run. He's got the men on base. Parkins and Spiegel put the men on base, and now, I think we get our proof here that Kyle Long wants to come back. Listen to Kyle Long with Zach Zaidman. During this past season, because when you talk to guys who have retired, they'll always tell you there comes a point where you get that itch to get back in the game. Did you get that at any point during this past season? Absolutely. Um, you know, I, I, it never goes away. Uh you know, I talk to my dad, I talk to my brother, they still have that love for the game. And you just have to be very honest with yourself. If you have the itch, am I able to go do this? Or is this kind of a pipe dream? And do I need to figure out some other stuff to uh, serve as my outlets? Yeah, I mean, I itch every day for football, even sitting in the studio in a suit, uh, 
with my wonderful colleagues at CBS Sports, I kind of tell them during the break, hey, you know, I kind of wish I could hit somebody today. And it's, <laughs> it's not because I'm in a bad mood. It's just because I kind of enjoy it. Uh, and that, that'll never really go away. Being around the team, something you miss a great deal as well, Zach. Do you, do you get offers from teams? Do, do teams call you up and, and try to, to kind of take your temperature, so to speak? Yeah, I had a few thermometers thrown at me this past season. Um, when I was not playing. Um, and right now I'm putting myself in position to uh, have all options on the table. Um, I hate to use a Ryan Paceism, but, you know, we've got it all on the table. What does he say, Zach? He's, uh, <laughs> everything's on the table. Uh, everything's on the table. There you go. Um, so I'm training. Uh, if, if I'm going to be in media next year, it'll be with CBS Sports. They've, They've been a great employer. I've learned so much. I've got some great teammates there. Adam Shine, London Fletcher, Amy Trask, Jonathan Jones, and uh, the whole gang. Um, it's a lot of fun, but, you know, you, you, cannot, you cannot replace football. So I'm going to do my due diligence, and I'd be remiss if I, uh, if I didn't because I would have those regrets forever. So you're not fully retired at this stage? Yeah, I'm on vacation. <laughs> Boom! There it is! All options open. I'm on vacation. I'm in training. I'm 315 pounds. I miss it dearly. Oh my God, does he want to come back and play football again? So good teamwork on the score over two days. And then it took me to be the CSI investigator and figure it out and bring you the key parts. So um, full credit to Danny Parkins, Matt Spiegel, and Zach Zayman, and uh, we got to the bottom of this. That <laughs> you know, I could have probably just texted Kyle Long and asked him if he's coming back, but this is way more fun. Next week, we'll we'll look into whether or not Kyle Long wants to play baseball again. That's on next Sunday's show. So Sean, just be ready. On Sean, am I right? He's coming back, right, Sean Anderson? I would say so. I'm maybe not coming back, but maybe he'll get to that point. We'll see who they bring in at quarterback, and maybe that entices him enough to, you know, put his body back on the line. Because I think that's yeah, the I don't biggest think he, thing. Yeah, just, not with the Bears. I don't think he's coming back with the Bears. I think that that ship has sailed. Like that would just seem like an odd thing to occur at this point. But I think with, I think he would love to if the situation is right. I think he'd love to hook up with an NFL team and see what he's got. I don't know if it's a great idea though, because like he is. He is getting out while the getting is good, while his body is in one piece, and he had a terrific NFL career. Like he, I mean, I know he didn't get the big win, and as it were, like winning a Super Bowl. Maybe that's what drives him more than anything. But you know, he's a Pro Bowl performer, made a lot of money. I mean, he didn't leave a lot behind. You know what I'm saying? Like got out while the getting was good. So. Um, but it's interesting and fascinating, and I was convinced. I was convinced on Friday that he was coming back, and then, and then we got the swish with Zach yesterday. One more thing. One more little piece of actual news that came from from uh, Kyle Long, in my opinion, anyway. Did I just say news? In my opinion, yeah, I did. Um, when he was on with uh, Spiegel and Parkins, he talked about how things ended with the Bears. What do you think, because I've always said, and maybe I'm wrong, that like the players like Nagy. 
that he relates to him and he's holds him accountable and all of that. I know you had your issues when when you left, but like, am I off on that in terms of or are you other guys what, what, looking at that side? Intro, during the intro, the intro to this show, I heard Matt Nagy talking about a fast Friday, and I yeah. felt at home. Um, <laughs> I, I enjoyed I enjoyed playing for Matt. Um, I didn't handle it the way I should. I didn't handle it like a professional at the end, and I was beat up and salty and I have regrets about that. But, uh, yeah, I, I think there's no doubt if you're healthy and you're performing well, you like everybody when you're unhealthy or you're not performing the way you want to perform, or there's maybe some contract dispute, things get a little, uh, touchy. Sure. What, what do you regret, Kyle? Is it something that, that we know publicly or something that, that happened privately that we don't oh, even you know? know I, just, I just wasn't, I, I wasn't a good ener- – I, I didn't bring positive energy towards the end. I was just so beat up, and I was uh, a woe-is-me guy as opposed to what can I do to better the guys around me. And, you know, that's, that's the nature of the business, but you live and you learn, right? That's pretty cool, man. Like, Kyle Long was not speaking that way. He had kind of had the passive-aggressive tone previous to that in some of his tweets and then some of his on-air appearances about what happened. I mean, he said something to the effect of, well, I'm not good enough to play for the Bears or something like that, you know, you know taking a, a, a outside shot at either Matt Nagy or Ryan Pace. But there he is, in, admitting that he did not handle the situation well um, at the end. And um, so he's all cool, which is good, man, because, look, he, he is – he is a bear, you know. He spent his entire career with the Bears, but it's pretty clear to me that he would like his Bears career to continue to, or not his Bears career, but his football career to continue on. A couple of baseball things here. Jake Arietta makes his first start of the spring today against Arizona. So be interesting to see what he is like, how it looks again in a Cubs uniform, what he's still got that we can, we've kind of heard about it from a distance and seen it to some degree, but he's been injured and except for his first year with Philadelphia, largely ineffective. So, but he has been asked to be a pretty big part of the starting rotation for the Cubs this year. So I'm looking forward to seeing what he does in his his couple of innings today, the the Cubs yesterday beat Milwaukee three to one. Shelby Miller looked decent, two innings, couple hits, a run, struck out three, and your hitting hero of the day was the Cubs, I think backup catcher this year, Austin Romine, two for three. Unless Miguel Amaya makes the big jump, we shall see. But Arietta on the mound today for the Chicago Cubs. It'll be it'll be fun to I mean man, like I hope I hope there is some sort of revival or return to something. There's, I mean you're never going to get Cy Young Jake Arrieta again just because if for nothing else that the velocity is not there so he's not going to be able to blow guys away and do crazy things with his pitches anymore. But it's going to be fascinating to follow what what Jake Arrieta is, what he still has with um with the Cubs. As far as the White Sox are concerned, they play the Rockies today. Yesterday, the Sox got a 7-0 win over Reynaldo Lopez. Two shutout innings. Garrett Crochet out of the bullpen. One inning, allowed a hit. 
And he's always there. Like, you know what the one constant Ray is with the White Sox? It's Lurie Garcia. He's always there. Lurie Garcia is always there. He homered yesterday. Lur- Omnipresent present is Lurie Garcia. And it's good to see Luis Robert clubbing the baseball around again. Two for three yesterday. I think he's hitting you know, over 500 in the tiny sample size. But um, I'm not worried about Luis Robert. But last year he did have that terrible slump about three quarters of the way through the shortened season. He was great for a while. And then he just couldn't hit anything. Like he hit a... Hit a, I think he probably had the worst slump of any of the White Sox hitters at at one point last year, where it was just he just looked all of a sudden like overmatched. But then he got it back on at the end of the season and in the playoffs he started look, to look better. So I mean, it just, I just had that like that that's stuck with me a little bit about Robert the slump he had and and you know the 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 raw product is there. You know what I mean? Like the the raw material, I should say. It's all there. But yeah, now now it's like you want to see it again, and you do want to see what what does Luis Robert or any of these younger guys look like with what should be a 162 game season. So even though it's spring training, like you gotta you gotta look at certain things and say what means something. And I I do think that Luis Robert having a good spring is meaningful or that he has a good spring is meaningful. And I, and I think that, and I mentioned Jake Arrieta on the Cubs because I think it's meaningful that he too shows that he has something that, that he gets out of it injury free and that he's hundred percent healthy when the season starts for real for the Cubs. And then the last thing is Lurie Garcia. He is always there. When we return an odd moment in the, the Blackhawks game from Sunday And we'll talk a little bit about the Blackhawks next on The Grody Show on Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. I still have not had breakfast, by the way. The coffee has been great two pots later. So, like I said, it's been hitting me just right. So once noon comes around, I think I'm going to make myself a nice omelet. I'm Mark Grody. After me, man. It keeps going. Arkish and Arkish. We got a hub coming up we got an arthur they are the arkishes they are on from noon to four i was just text messaged their lineup they will have on their show today again from noon to four here on the score they will have pat finley at 12 20 talking bears at one o'clock a guy from whom you heard on this show too some of his cuts from lawrence holmes's show brad spielberger a pro football focus will be on with hub and arthur he's great um, two o'clock, Maddie Lee will be talking about the Chicago Cubs. She from NBC Sports Chicago. And then our guy, Rick Camp, at three o'clock talking about the Chicago Bulls. So a jam-packed live local show with two of my favorite people, Hub and Arthur Arkishes. Can't wait to listen to those guys. I'm here for a little while longer, and the phone line's still open, too, if you'd like. 312-644-6767. You could text or call that way. I have largely adapted to the feel of no fans in the stands due to the pandemic. Like, it was really odd at first, but I think, like, like a lot of you, it's you, you get you kind of get used to it. It's I mean, you never completely do, but you adapt to it and it's like, OK, it is what it is for now. We also know that there is ultimately an end game, so you don't have to deal with it. So it's no longer really a focus, not as weird, not something we bring up a lot. But 
it crept back up for me on Friday night watching the Blackhawks game the the same day that defenseman Brent Seabrook retired. And there's Seabrook. He's at the game, an empty United Center. At the game, they pan the camera up in the luxury suites during a timeout, and there he is. <laughs> and he's... He's waving, he's got his mask on, and I think there's a couple people maybe in the background. I'm like, cue the 22,000 Blackhawks fans going crazy. He's like, nope, nope. And see, all, all alone, <laughs> one of the Blackhawks' great defenders of all time. And it's all for television and nothing else. And that was one time, and this is not a critique of... NBC Sports Chicago, or those who put the Blackhawks broadcast together. Of course, we all wanted to see Brent Seabrook, but it didn't work. You know, it was just like, I, I felt so empty. Like, And yeah, the everybody stopped on the ice. Both teams, the Tampa Bay Lightning in this case, and the Blackhawks players stopped, and they were hitting their sticks on the ice and clapping and showing their appreciation for Bre- even the referees. Like, that was cool. That was cool. Um Everybody's saluting in their own way, but not like, especially with the Blackhawks, there is no team that has honored their players better through the years. You know, they've had a day for everybody than the Blackhawks. So this was the first time in a while where it did it. It was like, oh man, God, you really need the fans. And I know there will be a Brent Seabrook day when, when the 22,000 do return to United Center, but it felt empty and odd, and it didn't work. You know, it was it was too bad, and yeah, Seebs will get his. I think yeah, I think it should be once fans are back next year or whenever, and you can get twenty two thousand in there, and the anthem has full meaning again. That's another odd thing. They still do the anthem, but I guess people like watching that on TV, the the anthem the way they do it. Um, that I think they should bring back. I think it should be Seabrook and John McDonough. Because, you know, it's McDonough that, you know, had all these days and saluted these players and Marion Hosa and all of that. So give them both their day on the same day. Wouldn't that be perfect? I think that that would be. Um, so we shall see about that. Um, the Blackhawks, it's been fun watching them play Tampa Bay. Like, they ain't the Blackhawks. They are not at the level of the the Tampa Bay Lightning. I mean, I think that you could just look at the records. The Blackhawks right now 13-7 and 5, the Tampa Bay Lightning 16-4 and 2. And two very entertaining games so far against the the Tampa Bay Lightning. And the the one the other night, I got to get my days straight. Um the shootout win, the one that they won, is that Friday? Yeah. It was it was breathtaking to watch that that overtime. Um, a bunch of two on ones, Patrick Kane and with a, with a couple of breakaways. As my brother put it last night when I saw him, <laughs> he said it right. He he took the Blackhawks took Pat Foley to the brink in that overtime. Like that was fun and intense and breathless and. Like, just all of the... Like, that was everything about hockey that Les Grobstein hates and that I love. That's not hockey. 
but it was it was fantastic. Um, and Malcolm Subban, Malcolm was absolutely terrific in the the overtime. Like that was as entertaining an overtime and shootout period that you were going to see in a in a Blackhawks game. Like if you can find that, and I'm sure you can, go back and just watch the overtime. Just watch the overtime. It is it is breathtaking for sure. Um yeah, and and it's it's pretty amazing like what Subban did in that game, especially at the end of the third period where the Lightning were just absolutely relentless. And there's Subban stopping all sorts of stuff. I still don't know how good Malcolm Subban is, but he was terrific in that game for sure. Good to see the cat, Alex Dabrinkit, with a couple of goals in that game. I think it's safe to say that Alex Dabrinkit is back, right? I mean, he had a weird year last year where it wasn't bad, but it was one of those, like, he had the opposite of puck luck puck bad luck where a lot of his shots were going off goal posts and rerouted the wrong ways and things like that. Like he just had bad luck, but to break it and Kane, um, and one of his goals came on an absolute perfect pass from, from Patrick Kane. So it's good to see those two guys. And you always want to make Patrick Kane happy. You want to have him a line mate that can get him the puck or let him do what he needs to do. Because we know Patrick Kane can be in his own world sometimes, which is good, but it was a, I'll call it a bang, bang goal where, and Tampa Bay had been dominating that second period and we're just coming off a power play. And then the Hawks with the surprise party goal Kane to cat. And then boom, um, Back to Brent Seabrook, too, because I haven't had really a chance to talk about Brent Seabrook. And he he was he had a terrific Blackhawks career. And with defensemen, like I and my defensemen, I want to feel like a sense of security with them. And there always was that sense of order with Brent Seabrook when he was out on the ice. I always trusted him when he had the puck. I also knew he was going to win board battles, that he was going to be bigger and stronger in many cases than the players against whom he was playing. Um, I knew that he would do what Brent Seabrook, he would do whatever he had to do to restore order or to, to push the issue. That's what I liked about it. There was this reassuring feel with Brent Seabrook when he was in the prime of his his playing career. And then I want to bring it to the idea of when I first heard people bringing up the the idea of retiring his number i was like no i i like i don't know is brent brent's probably hall of famer right but and the only reason i i said no at first was because like eventually you're gonna have to figure out where you draw the line with retiring all because there's gonna be a bunch of guys that from this era of blackhawks hockey whose numbers you're gonna want to retire like jonathan taves duh um, Patrick King, double daw. Duncan Keith, of course. Corey Crawford, yes. Sharp, Patrick Sharp. I mean, like, isn't he equal to Brent Seabrook in different ways? Maybe not. Um, but then I was like, all right, who cares? That that's the greatest one of the greatest eras of Chicago sports and Blackhawks history, certainly. So. If the Blackhawks can afford to and they want to retire all of those numbers, then then go for it. You know, like if, if you can do it and you can do it without <laughs> compromising the amount of numbers that you have left, then then go ahead and go ahead and do it. Because um, I know it, it, 
I think it means probably means more. The retiring jerseys probably means more to the fans than the player. I think because it's like a cool ceremonial thing, and we all debate and discuss and talk about the possibilities of. But I, I actually did a like a 24-hour flip-flop on on that particular one. So yeah, why not? Go ahead and if you would like, go ahead and uh, make that happen. I, I want to close the show with a couple of tweets here that I I screenshot because I figured that they might be taken down eventually and they came oh here they are (laughs) jose canseco oh my god this was the other day yes jose canseco for all you youngsters he is mr 4040 jose canseco kind of a disgraced player at this point in time you know steroids calling out other players um about using steroids and Take this for what it's worth. It may not be true. I will give that disclaimer. But these tweets from Jose Canseco. Um, all right. And I, I don't know why he's always got to be picking on his bash brother brother. Um, because, you know, Mark McGuire has been, you know, put through the ringer publicly already. But Jose Canseco tweets the following things. Mark McGuire corked his bat before every game. (laughs) Every game. And then another tweet from Jose Canseco. Mark McGuire corked his bat. Oh, no, it's the same one. He he, he tweeted it twice. My bad. Um, The other tweet that he sent out, other than Mark McGuire corked his bat before every game, was, it's time everyone knows the truth. (laughs) So that's what, and you can imagine the responses he was getting like, you know, Canseco because he's kind of become a snitch and I don't even know if his snitching is credible in any way, shape or form. Um, and you know, it, if I was McGuire, just be like, come on, consider the source at this point. However, Canseco was retweeted on his Mark McGuire corked his bat before every game, 1,754 times. So there he comes. Every time Jose Canseco rises to, to, to our public eye, it is always something like this. And I am trying to figure out with him to to what means. Like, to what end is this going on? Jose, what do you want? What is it, Jose? Look, you, you were a 40-40 guy. You were an awesome player when you played, even if it was not, uh, even if it was artificial. So, I don't know. Maybe just stop it. Um, from the 469, before we go... You could do Seabrook and Chelios. Oh, yeah. Chelios was a number seven as well. So, yeah, that would make that would make sense. Um, <laughs> the, the hit on David Back. Was Seabrook, was he the one that made the hit on Backus? Because it was, wasn't it Duncan Keith who did the wakey-wakey? Yeah, that makes sense, right? Wakey-wakey, Backus. Am I getting my wakey-wakey Backus right? I hope so. This has been a fun show. Thank you for listening. I certainly appreciate it. Thank you for to Jared Payton for coming out. If you didn't hear Jared, it's pretty awesome stuff. He was great. Talked about Walter. Talked a lot about the Bears and some of the film watching that Jared has done. 10 a.m. he was on, so you could rewind on the Radio.com app or just find it. Find it somewhere. But Jared was great. Thank you to Sean Anderson. Great job of producing the show and collecting all the audio that I needed. So wonderful job. 
solo work back in our downtown Chicago studios. And I can't wait to listen to the Arkishes. They are next. Hub Arkish and Arthur Arkish are next. They have a jam-packed show. Lots of bears. They've got some bulls. They've got baseball talk. They'll do it all until 4 o'clock. And I will talk to you, I don't know when, maybe tomorrow. Maybe tomorrow. We'll see. But I'm Mark Grody. Have a great rest of your Sunday. And listening to Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. Later. Later.